Welcome to BG Mania, a weekly video game music podcast found right here at Level Down Games, where we explore some excellent music and talk about our experience with each game. I'm Brian, joined as always by the forever tag team partner in tag team wrestling. It's Frank. I expected nothing less of you, Brian. <laughs> hey, guys. It was the only way to do it, dude. I was going to be disappointed if you didn't mention that damn game. It was the only way to do it, and uh, I'm sure that game's going to come up in the uh, in the episode at some points, and uh, spoiler alert, we're going to close out with a little sound effect from uh, Tag Team Wrestling at the very end of the episode, just because it wouldn't be a Data East episode if we didn't include Tag Team Wrestling, which is one of your favorite wrestling games of all time. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> For those just joining us, what we like to do here at BG Mania is challenge ourselves to never play the same track more than once, except for special occasion episodes like our anniversaries. So you're always guaranteed something new, something fresh, and something exciting each and every week. I feel like every time I say that, we're going to go into like a something blue, something borrowed, something new type thing. <laughs> like like every episode of BG Mania is a wedding, but really it's not. It's just it's a it's a wedding of video game music is what it is. That's exactly what it is. Don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us and leave that five star rating and a review so we continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. Since BG Mania and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project for now. You can directly support the show and the brand through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of the podcast. Thanks in advance if you choose to do so. Today's episode is gonna be a good one, man. I know we joke around about Data East a lot, but they really have some fantastic soundtracks behind their games. Brian, it is no joke. I hate Data East. Uh, But as you said, I dug through their soundtracks and I will give credit where credit is due. This is going to be a great episode. And with, with enough sudden, we could probably do a follow up to it. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do a part two in the future because I myself have like 10 or 12 tracks left over that just didn't make the cut. And some of them I really do feel like are better than some of the tracks I have in, in this episode. But there's reasons why I wanted to pick the ones that I did for this episode. So there's a reason why all eight of my picks are are in this one. But yeah, we have 16 total tracks, as we usually do for our normal episodes, and we're focusing on Data East, which unfortunately, or maybe to some people out there, fortunately, <laughs> Thank God. Is, is no longer in uh, in operation. They did close their doors back in 2003, but they were just a, a Japanese video game and electronic engineering company. They published certain games. They developed certain games. Uh, they did go. They they started in 1976, made it through again. Like I said, 2003. So, what 27 years in business? Uh, unfortunately, went bankrupt. And I think a lot of that probably is just due to their games not being the greatest. Yeah, we've had 16 years of peace and prosperity since. So <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> now some of their uh, some of their IPs and stuff are worthy of of living on for for the ones that actually do. But, but not many of them actually do live on. But as I said, they, they really were responsible for some fantastic music. If you remember the uh, in, in the last radio hour, that Robocop track that I played that we that we both thought was like track of the episode. Data East, dude, that was done by Data East. Every once in a while, you know, a turd like that, get something right. Yeah. And I think we have 16 instances this week where where things like that were, you know, that took place. These are these were things that got right for sure. 
it's like you said, I I struck out quite a few tracks myself uh, just because I wanted to pick the best of the best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, what's super cool, man, and, and I do want to mention a couple things because from the ashes of Data East did rise several different companies and, you know, uh, the, their legacy does live on. Now, it's not a, not a legacy of bad games, but their legacy does live on through companies like Arc System Works that uh, acquired the rights to the Jay Hunter series. I don't think we're playing anything from Jay Hunter today, but uh, they did acquire the rights to the Jay Hunter series. Um, we have it's one of my favorite companies in terms of uh, Japanese video games, Idea Factory. They actually were established by former Data East employees that actually went out and, and did something after the company closed. So that, you know, they went out, but now we have Idea Factory International that publishes some are they localized certain games over in Japan? So that came from them. Katokawa Games, they acquired the rights to the uh, Metal Max franchise, a RPG that I've really wanted to pick from on this episode, but it just barely didn't make the cut. So that'll be saved for part two. And uh, several different other uh, studios, man. But those two are the ones that really jump out to me as the biggest ones that rose from the ashes of, uh, of Data East. So I think this is going to be fun. And that opening track there was excellent, dude. Uh, yeah, that was from uh, the game Dark Seal 2, uh, localized here in the U.S. as Wizardfire. Uh, that came out in 1992, uh, and the name of the track was uh, Rise and Fall or Light and Darkness, depending on how you or, or, or together, if you want to call it. I, actually thought it, I actually thought it was like all one like thing, like Rise and Fall, Light and Darkness or whatever. Well, I saw it, it, it had a hyphen, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not but sure. This one, this one was actually composed uh, by Gamadelic, which is a group of composers. Uh, and I have all their names here. Uh, forgive the horrible pronunciations. Uh, Emi Shimizu, uh, Tsuji uh, Yamanaka, Sakudo, Yuji Suzuki, Takafumi Miura, and uh, Akira Takemoto. Several of those names we're going to hear frequently throughout oh, yes. the episode today <laughs> because uh, I think I only have one track where all members of Gamadelic were together working on it. But I have every other track I have has at least one of them in it. That's the in-house studio for Data East. Like that's like your um, Falcom JDK sound team or the Capcom sound team. That's like their in-house band, more or less. That's just the name of them. Um, and they do good music. I like these guys uh, and gals. This is such an awesome track, though. Uh, you know, not to my own horn, but I, I was like, Brian, I can't wait for you to hear this one. Very medieval, and then it just starts breaking down with the do 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 do. That synthesizer's great, dude. That is so good. That is, like I said, that is very, very good. I was not expect. I mean, yeah, I could tell right away that, okay, this is cool. This is a good track. But then you pointed at it, like, as soon as it kicked in, I was like, damn, man, this is great. That is good. Did you play this at all or no? I have never played this, but uh, this the music alone makes me want to give it a shot. And that's, like, that's saying a lot for a Dave East game. Yeah. Uh, of, man, of the eight games that I have, I've played only four three of them, I think. I think I've only played three of the games that I actually picked. You have four? Four of, my, four, four of mine, and I haven't played. This is not one of them, of course. Okay, okay. Very, very cool. Um, Alright, man, well, I think we'll go ahead and kick to my first pick, then, on the episode. And I wanted to start out with what I feel is one of their more iconic games that we've never picked from, I don't believe. So, from Bad Dudes, this is stage theme number two.
Was stage theme number two from Bad Dudes, which was, again, Data East game. It released on the Amiga and the Nintendo Entertainment System. I have two composers on this one, Azusa Hara and Hiroyaki Yoshida. Uh, <laughs> now, for release date on this one, <laughs> all I was able to find was a general time period, and it's like <laughs> a time period of two years because we're not exactly sure when it released on the Amiga, when it released on the NES. So like, I literally have a, just a time span of two years. It released sometime between April 1988 and July 1990. Developed and published by Data East, which every track and every game that we're playing on today's episode has been developed and published by Data East. I know Data East was responsible for, you know, developing certain games and then them being published by somebody else or picking up the rights to publish a game that was developed by somebody else. But just by coincidence, all 16 games we're playing on the episode today were developed and published by Data East. Now, Bad Dudes is not a great game, but no. it is one of the ones that I have played from the ones that I've picked. But that track right there really reminds me a lot of Bloody Tears from Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest. Absolutely, 100%. You can definitely hear that little, uh, the, the refrain going throughout the entire song. Yes. When did Castlevania 2 release? 1987. So this one would have had to have borrowed from that. I was wondering which one may have came first. So even at the earliest instance, if Bad Dudes released in April 1988, Simon's Quest still would have came first. So that that definitely took inspiration from that. I wonder if that'll ever happen again as we go through these songs, if they'll borrow from someone else. I guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) I have one that's a total ripoff and is the only reason I picked it because of that reason. Oh, man, but this is a really great tune. I mean, yes, it's inspired by it, but it's only like maybe 15 or 20 seconds of it. Yeah. And of the it's like a, a minute or so of a loop. You get a minute and then it loops and then it, you know, it continues forward. But that 15 to 20 seconds of that minute is heavily inspired by Simon's Quest. 
But the rest of it that isn't is still a very, very, very strong track. And I'm impressed by it a lot. I, I, that's a good jam. Um, if I if I had no better, I would think it'd be a good game. Did you play Bad Dudes? <laughs> I have played Bad Dudes. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic. It's a classic game. No, it definitely is. And I think it's one that uh, so many people actually have played. Like, it's probably one of the most famous Data East games that there is. But that doesn't make it a good game. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. But man, just uh, as we talk about a lot and, and as we're going to really hammer home on this episode, even though the games are bad, the music's great. And the BG Mania, we're all about the music here. So that's all that matters. Exactly. No, it's, it's, this is a music podcast. Trust me, if it was a gaming podcast, these would all be like the worst <laughs> games you've ever played. <laughs> we wouldn't really be talking about it that much if it was a, just a general gaming podcast like Mac level. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a nice fun one to go to here from Tumble Pop. This is, ah, it's Chernobyl. was ah it's chernobyl from tumble pop uh the game came out in 1991 on the game boy it came out before that in arcades but i don't know that i'm going north american release <laughs> uh the composer of this one and you'll hear him a few times from me today uh tatsuya kuichi also with tomoyoshi sado and mihikoto ando uh so this game it involves either one or two Ghostbusters who can uh, suck monsters, ghosts, and aliens and other like weird characters into their vacuum cleaner and then shoot them back as bouncing balls. So you're it's kind of like Pong, kind of like Breakout, but you're also shooting them at the enemies. So it's like uh, if Nintendo were to make a Luigi's Mansion Breakout game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those fun little like puzzly kind of games that, you know, I just played to death as a kid. Yeah. It's fun. It has a nice little, up it's pr pretty upbeat. Uh, as it just, just being that it's a uh, older game, they have the general release window of 91. So. Okay. Hey, uh, hey, Frank, who are you going to call? Tumble Pop Monsters. <laughs> no, man, you're going to call Mario. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so good. Uh, yeah, man. Like you said, it's it's very this this track is very festive. It's very uplifting, and 
For a game that I guess I've never played this, but for a game that plays very similar to like a breakout thing, I wouldn't picture this type of music in that, but it fits so well now that I think about it. Honestly, the soundtrack itself, uh, that, that, that was called Ah, it's Chernobyl. Um, you're going across the entire world, almost like Street Fighter style. Like I was going to ask if it took place in different cities, because obviously this would be somewhere in like Russia. Yes, th there was a... Uh, or is that the Ukraine? Where's Chernobyl? Chernobyl, I think it's Russia. I, I think it's wrong. I think it's Russia too, but it may be the Ukraine. <laughs> the, the the American one, um, I do believe it starts off with like Hail to the Chief or Stars and Stripes Forever. Uh, there's an Egyptian song. There's a French song. Like th there's ones there's ones that are like very much every single thing along the way. Uh, there's actually a few Russian ones. I just this is this is the one I like the best. Okay, very cool. Uh, I, I had to look. Chernobyl, uh, the Chernobyl disaster was April 26, 1986. And uh, it looks like the Soviet. U well, that's the Soviet Union. But where is uh, where's Pripyat? Where's Pripyat? Exactly. Pripyat? Pripyat is the Ukraine. So it is the Ukraine, yeah. but it is on the absolute border, like within miles, not even really of, of Russia. So it really is right on the border. I, I, I would love to go to that amusement park. The one that is like the one that's deserted, like you can't actually get yeah. to it or whatever. Yes. Well, yes. it would be it would be cool to visit as, as a tourist, like just to see yeah. what like a real life nuclear fallout zone actually looks like, because, you know, while it is sectioned off and while it is, you know, you can't just go there. You can actually like if I'm not mistaken, take tours as long as you're like protected and that kind of stuff. You can actually go there and physically see it. You just can't go there and, you know, just walk in type of a thing. It'd be cool to see like like how nature reclaims things. So it'd be cool to see like you know a, a whole music park just you know, with like trees and flowers growing all over it. Yeah, I mean, there's been several games like that too, like Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, The yeah. Last of Us, where they really just show ruined cities being reclaimed by nature. So seeing something like that in person would be super freaking cool. I agree. Uh, all right, man, let's go ahead and jump to my next pick on the episode then, and I I think I have a fun one here for us. So from a game called Roga Armor Force, this is BGM number one.
that was BGM number one from Roga Armor Force, which released for the arcades. This is an arcade game. 1991. It never released in North America. It was Japan only. And this was actually composed by Gamadelic. As we mentioned, that is the Data East house band. Uh, all six members were responsible for portions of the soundtrack. Most of the things we found, I don't think we were really able to find breakdowns of who actually did what track for games that, you know, had multiple composers just because of how, you know, old these games are and certain, you know, records weren't kept like that back then. So we're lucky if we were even able to find composers for some of these because several Data East games that I actually didn't pick from, I couldn't even find composers for it. It's just unknown. Like, not, no place had it. So luckily we were able to find what we did. But this game right here, man, is very, very fun from what I'm seeing on like playthroughs on YouTube. I've not played this, but I've seen like, you know, people uploading through emulators like arcade emulators and that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it seems really good and it's something that I probably would have enjoyed. But holy crap, the music is phenomenal. This is not this is not the only great piece of music from this game. This entire game has fantastic music. Uh, it really does, because that's one of the ones I looked through uh, when I was picking my tracks. Uh, yeah, yeah. You actually mentioned that to me uh, when 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 we started playing, because you had a question about it. And yeah, dude, the entire soundtrack really is phenomenal. Uh, just another great usage of the synthesizer, like we heard with the opening track that we came in with uh, Rise and Fall, Light and Darkness from Dark Seal 2. It, it does have a similar style to that one which also was done by the entire Gamadalic house band. So you're, you're really getting some similarities there. Yeah, you really are getting some similarities there. And, and that is what something that I really like about not only Data East, but like like we see with Nihon Falcom that uses an in-house studio band. Their games sound so similar, but that is what makes the Falcom sound so great, in my opinion, is how, you know, every time we talk about a Falcom game here on BG Mania, we know it's going to be an epic track. Like, there's really not one that we've played that hasn't been. Every time you say I got a Falcom game, I'm like, okay, let's hear this track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now there are some. I mean, there are some times I've played Falcom where it's like a totally not the norm for them. Like, you know, what, what I actually have a and pick that's next when, week. And that's, and that's when you break my heart, don't you? I, actually, I actually have a pick next week from Falcom that is not exactly like one of their normal things. But it's great, man. It, it's great. And I think you're really going to like that. Look forward to Radio Hour next week. Just seeing what Dana East's house band is able to do and how great the music is for that. Uh, anytime they're all together, I, I fully expect anytime we actually talk about Gamma Delic on the show today, I fully expect it to be an epic piece of music. And I can't I can't wait to see because I know you have them a few other times. Oh, I do. Um, you know, you had mentioned that I asked you a question. I think I'm going to play my track right now. OK, uh, we're going to cut to that one. OK, I'm excited because I, I actually think this is going to be good then, too. Your game uh, Armored. How Rogue, is that, how is that pronounced? Roga Armor Force. Rogue Armor Force is actually the sequel to the game that I picked. Uh, I picked from the first game, Vapor Trail, and this track is aptly called Vapor Trail.
And that was Vapor Trail from Vapor Trail Hyper Offense Formation. Uh, game released on the Sega Mega Drive in 1991 here in the States. Came out in the arcade in North America in 89. Uh, like I said, this is the game that, that uh, precedes uh, Rogue Armor Force and Skullfang. Uh, so I have a, a basic uh, composer here, not the, not the Gamma Delve team. It's uh, Hiroako Yoshida, who we heard earlier, and Tetsuya Koichi, who you will hear a lot from as you go through here. <laughs> So that's funny that the original game wasn't done by the in-house band, but then the sequel to it was. That's actually interesting. It's pretty cool, though. You know, like uh, between the, between them and and, and uh, Hiroyaku Yoshida and Tatsuya Koichi, they pretty much are on every single thing I see along the way in one way or another. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I have a couple that none of them are on, like in, in terms of those two yeah. that you just mentioned. But uh, somebody from Gamadelic is on every track that I have, except for one that I have. That is no one that we've heard yet and will hear yet. It is a unique track, and I, I am excited to play that one. But I think this right now is my favorite track we've heard on the episode. This is amazing. It's definitely a great one. I love the fact that this, this game came out in 89, and the synopsis for the game, I just want to read it real quick. It's quick and easy. It's, in 1999, a terrorist organization known only as Dagger has occupied the city of New York, where they've hacked into military defenses worldwide, established their military command, and gained access to nuclear missile silos. They hold the world hostage in this position and promise to cancel their threats by destroying Earth only if the world's governments relinquish their power to Dagger. That is the theme to every 80s movie <laughs> I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Almost all the video games we've played from that era. Like, so basic, but so great. It's so funny to me how all those games, like, you know, or and movies, like you mentioned, from the late 70s through the entire decade of the 80s, they all talked about 1999 and 2000. And 1999 and 2000 came and went with not a peep of anything special, dude. Nothing happened, and that may, really made me disappointed. Like, right now, dude, we should be living in Jetson-style globes with flying cars and just living our lives the astronaut way, and we're not. Dude, Back to the Future 2 was 2015. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, that came and went, and Marty McFly is not here, man. He's not here right now. That's heavy. Yeah. You keep saying that word. What happens to gravity? It's off. <laughs> well, All right. heavy... Frank, gravity. Brian, Brian. <laughs> well, what you would be excited about is if we did live in space and gravity was an issue, you'd be able to stick to the ground better. Uh, great pick, though, man. I really enjoy that. Like I said, right now, that probably is my my favorite track that we've played. And I think I might have something that I that I enjoy more. But up, up through this okay. point, that's the that's the one right there for me. That's the one right there. That's my favorite so far. But we're going to kick to something that I also greatly enjoy, and it's from a game that this is one of the other ones I've played. And I distinctly remember playing this game from Al Unser Jr.'s Turbo Racing. This is circuit theme number, well, not number, circuit theme C.
that was Circuit Theme C from Al Unser Jr.'s Turbo Racing, which released on the Nintendo Entertainment System March 1990. And this was composed by four individuals, Shogo Sakai, Takafumi Miura, Masaki Iwasaki, and Yuji Suzuki. Uh, Takafumi is part of the uh, Gamadelic team. Yeah, Takafumi is part of the Gamadelic team. Uh, I owned this game. This is another one of the three or four that I've played. And dude, just I spent so much time with this. Like this is a game that my dad and I played a lot together. Like him and I used to jump into this game like we would do that. We would do. And I know I've talked about it before on the show, like golf on the NES. These fun experiences when we got the Genesis, him and I used to play Sonic uh, Spinball a lot and Super Off-Road, which I've talked about before. Mario Kart, like those are just the, the experiences I have with my dad that I remember before he passed away when I was a, when I was a young age. And he really enjoyed this game. Like there were times when I would wake up in the middle of the night, like to get a drink or use the bathroom or something. I'd see him out there like playing this. It was this <laughs> game and NES Golf, man. Those were his two and his friend always used to come over, man. They would just sit down, they would crack open beer and they would just sit there and play golf and Al Unser Jr.'s racing. And like that's that thing. That's why these games really do have a, a special place in my heart because of those memories that I have of it. But I myself used to play this game a lot. And this is my favorite actual track theme, circuit theme C or circuit. What, what the hell is it called? So, yeah, thir- circuit, Cir- theme circuit, C. circuit, not circuit city where you used to work circuit theme C. <laughs> and uh, again, synthesizers all over the place. Very like the type of music that we listen to. Very retro wave, very synth wave. And it just it fits so well. It works so perfectly in the game. I, I think these four composers, whoever was responsible for this track, did a fan freaking tastic job. Uh, I just really enjoy this, man. I really, really, really enjoy this piece of music right here. Like I could listen to this on loop over and over again and not get bored. Again, it's these guys are great. It actually was a good game. Uh, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. It's not a bad game. Yeah, that is that is that is not a bad game at all. That is actually a very, very, very fun game. Uh, potentially the best racing game on the NES. And shockingly, uh, you could buy it pretty cheap nowadays. Uh, they made so many copies of this one. It's like a two or three dollar game. Uh, that's the reason I had it. I, I was collecting NES games for a while. I, did, I actually didn't get to experience this one as a kid. I experienced it as an adult, and I, I like this game. Yeah, you can go to any, particularly any mom and pop shop anywhere in the country, probably, and find a used copy of Alan Sir Jr.'s Turbo Racing. Like, the game was widely printed, and it is not a rare thing by any stretch of the imagination, so it is easily findable. And it's, it's a steal. It's a great game. Yeah, agreed. But uh, talking about a steal, and we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, I have a track for you from uh, a fighting game. Okay. This is cool. This is this is a Canarv's theme from Fighters History.
and that was Kurnarf's theme from Fighter's History. Uh, came out on the Super Nintendo. I have August 1994. So uh, I mentioned a steal earlier. First, let's, let's just talk about the, the composer real quick. Gamadelic. We spoke about them. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Real studio in the uh, room. <laughs> so why did I mention a steal? Well, Fighter's History is actually famous for having Data East caught in a lawsuit that was filed by Capcom which claimed that the game was too similar to its hit title Street Fighter 2, and such they deemed a copyright infringement on its property. So, uh, Fighter's History uses a six-button configuration uh, with the three punches, three kicks, uh, and there was a total of nine playable characters with a, uh, a special boss character, who actually ends up being Karnarv. Uh, so it was very much the same exact game. But isn't that just, that's just the fighting formula, though. Like, Did they actually win that lawsuit? They did not win that lawsuit. I was going to say, uh, I, was, I don't think that they could because it literally is just a formula. It's not like a ripoff. If you look at the game, though, it looks very much like Street Fighter 2. So I can see where they were coming from. It, it looks very, very much like a ripoff. But this was this is what it, this is Street Fighter 2 was very early in, this, you know, in the whole fighting game uh, timeline. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 whatever. It's it's it is and it isn't. But uh, yeah, they, they lost this one pretty hard. And uh, you think. Capcom could have shut down Data East forever, and they didn't. Uh, now, I know that Carnav is its own game as well. Is this track inspired by that game at all that released on the NES, or is it similar to anything that's in that game? There are some tracks in the Carnav. I didn't think anything was worthy of actually hitting this episode. It was, it was nothing too, too strong, but Carnav is a Russian character, so that's why this is how it is. There, this game was actually, there was a game called Carnav's Revenge that ties into this game. Sort of, kind of, uh, but yeah, it's it's not related whatsoever. It's okay. just it just the, the character of Karnarv himself was the de facto mascot for Data East. He was their Sonic or their Mario, for lack of a better term. He is he, he's he's Data East's flagship character. Okay, okay, uh, not a great flagship character by any means, <laughs> but he is a flagship captain nonetheless. Not a great developer of publisher by any means. That's true. That's true. But, but, but I'm sorry, Diddy East. My hatred maybe just seething because Tag Team Wrestling is such a bad game and you broke my heart. I don't think they care, man. They're not in business anymore. Well, Idea Factory and whoever else you spawn from them, they're on my list. Idea Factory, man. Idea Factory does some great things. They they localize, like I said, they localize all my Japanese obscure RPGs that I want to play. And I have no issues with that company whatsoever. They are one of my favorites. But I love that track. That is a great track. That's a great track. Capcom, you failed me. Capcom, you failed. No, Capcom didn't fail, man. Capcom is back and better than ever. Go listen to the Max Level podcast this past week on Monday. I love Capcom, but they had a chance to take on this beast. Oh, I know, I know. But go take a listen to the Max Level podcast that uploaded on Monday where Kyle and I gushed over Devil May Cry 5 and we really talked about how, you know, Capcom is back at the forefront of gaming right now after the success of Mega Man 11, Resident Evil 2 Remake being such a freaking phenomenon, and now Devil May Cry 5 right now being my personal game of the year. Uh, it's it's so good. It's so good to see Capcom back where they belong at the top. It's really, really cool. Now make a new beautiful Joe, damn it. Oh my God, yes, do it, do it, do it. Switch game, Switch exclusive. Please. But I also love that you mentioned Steel because unknowingly, you didn't know what my next track was. So we're going to talk about why this is also considered a Steel when we come back. Maybe you'll pick up on why it is as soon as you hear it. From High Seas Havoc. This is Sometime somewhere.
was sometime somewhere from High Seas Havoc, which released on the Sega Genesis, August 16th, 1993, two composers, Emi Shimizu and Masaki Iwasaki. But the and, and. but the actual composer of the track is Nobu Yamatsu. And the actual name of the game is Final Fantasy IV. And the actual name of the track is the overworld theme. <laughs> Unbelievable. I want to just put a little quick snippet of the overworld theme from Final Fantasy IV here for you just just to see, just to just to kind of get a taste of that this is the same track. Take a listen to this. Let's do something fun. Let's lay them on top of each other so you can see how note for note it really is. syndrome over again. The transitional stuff is maybe a note or two different. And yes, I'll give High Seas Havoc a little bit of credit about 45 seconds into their about minute and 20 loop that they have of this track. There's a about a five to 10 second portion that is totally different than what we heard in the overall theme of Final Fantasy four. But everything else is more or less note for note identical, identical. It's it's staggering how crazy, and the fact that they didn't get they didn't get sued over this one is just they're lucky. <laughs> so it is unbelievable. Uh, therefore, it's a freaking awesome track because I huh? I mean I love what Final Fantasy IV did with it. So High Seas Havoc did the same thing. Therefore, it's a great piece of music. I absolutely love this and and the little differences that they changed to make it different, even though it really isn't different. It did work well for the track. Like it, it still flowed well. It still sounded good, but it's Final Fantasy IV. It's amazing. So therefore, High Seas Havoc is amazing as well, I guess, by that logic. Yeah, you, you know, if you want to put the whole, uh, Beatles album and just change a couple words, you know, you can do the same thing. Yeah, instead of Hey Jude, it's, you know, Hey, hey Dude. Hey Dude, exactly. <laughs> oh, what do you got next? All right. Um, I got another fighting game. Hey Dude. <laughs> 
another fighting game, one that I've played before, um, from Outlaws of the Lost Dynasty. This is the theme of Wusong. the theme of Wusong from Outlaws of the Lost Dynasty uh, that came out here in the States October 1st, 1995, uh, composed by the Gamma Delic team once again. Uh, so this game, um, anytime you pretty much hear the words Lost Dynasty, it's almost always the same thing. This game takes place in the Langshan March where 12 of the strongest outlaws of the 108 gather to, bat to test their battle skills against each other while the gods of war watch from above. So this game was actually in the character inspired by the 108 outlaws from the Chinese classical novel uh, Water Margin by Xi uh, Nian, which uh, you have Dynasty Warriors, you got uh, uh, the Lost Kingdom games, all these games together, like all reference the same book. And it's crazy how many things come out of this. Yeah, I'm actually looking now because you and I were talking about uh, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms franchise. And I and I actually think that's based on something different now looking into it. I think it's all based on the same story, though. Maybe, maybe, yeah, because I'm looking at the 108 Outlaws of the Marsh, and it says here that uh, it, it is based, you know, considered one of the four great classical novels of Chinese literature. Uh, the story set in the Song Dynasty tells of a of how a group of 108 Outlaws gather at Mount Liang to form a sizable army before they are eventually granted amnesty by the government. And then if we were to look at the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, is a 14th century historical novel attributed to Luo Guanzong, 
and it is set in the turbulent years toward the end of the Han Dynasty and the Three Kingdoms period of Chinese history, uh, starting in 169 AD and ending with the reunification of the land in 280. So it it is it is a different portion, but same guys. Yes. Romance of the Three Kingdoms is acclaimed as one of the four great classical novels of Chinese literature. So there is four great classical novels, and it is uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Water Margin, Journey to the West, and Dream of the Red Chamber. Okay, those are really, those are every Chinese game, and it's great. Water Margin is the one that, that is, this game is based off of, Outlaws of the Marsh, or Outlaws of the Lost Dynasty. Which which, which makes sense, because this game takes place in the Marsh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so it's those four novels. uh, So we have two game franchises based on two of the four great classical Chinese novels. That's actually really cool to know. That's actually really interesting. I like that little history lesson there. Uh, but yeah, man, like, because I, I, lo- I love this game. It re- it's one of the better fighters um, that's out there within Data East, which they have a ton of fighting games. And this track is banging. This track is amazing. This track is very, very, very good. I really like this one a lot. I mean, the Gavindelic team, man, we got we probably could have did a whole episode on them. Just them. Yeah, like I said, anytime that I knew that we were going to hear them on the episode today, I was expecting it to be an epic track. And so far, I haven't been wrong. So far, I haven't been let down by them. So I'm excited for that. Like, I don't know if you have anything else by them. I do not in terms of the entire team. I, that's my last one for the entire team, but they okay. do feature on just about every other track I have coming Yes, except <laughs> me as well, except for one that is somebody. Except for one for me. Yeah, yeah, and I have one as well that is, you know, totally different in people that we've not talked about yet today. But... Everything that we did here when it was the entire group was awesome. And that's really cool. That's really, really cool. All right, what you got for us, Brian? I am going to go to what I think I'm going to have to compare this to uh, the track you played earlier from Vapor Trail. But I think is my favorite track on the episode today. Okay. From a game known as Night Slashers. This is Under the Moonlight.
And that was Under the Moonlight from Night Slashers, which originally released in arcades in 1993, composed by Tetsuya Kiyuchi and Tomoyoshi Sato. But as we found out while listening to that, it is currently available on the Nintendo Switch for $8. And uh, Frank just bought it. Yeah. <laughs> bought it while listening to it. That track just sold me and said, I told myself I'm buying a Data East game. So, yeah. That that track is incredible. Like I said, I, I really do think that. And, and after comparing it to Vapor Trail, as I listened to it, that is definitely my favorite track on the episode this week. What's, I concede it as well. This is a great track. <laughs> this is my favorite one so far. What's fun is that uh, Jake Hunter is one of the playable characters in the game. From the oh, uh, yeah, from the uh, and and, and I, I'm guaranteeing it's the same Jake Hunter. I've never played this, but I think I'm also going to pick it up on the Switch and play through it. Uh, I, I'm guaranteeing that's the same Jake Hunter from the uh, the visual novel games that were done out by Data East. But this game, it's a beat 'em up. And Heavy.com back in 2013 ranked it in the top 25 beat 'em up games of all time. They ranked it number 20. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it deserves higher. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. But I definitely want to see for myself. But you had mentioned that it kind of had like some horror vibes to it. And it and it makes sense for that because you are going through and you're fighting hordes of zombies and mutant type enemies. And the bosses are your stereotypical like universal monsters like the mummy, yes. Gollum, a mad scientist, uh, Count Dracula lookalike, the Grim Reaper lookalike and a Frankenstein lookalike. They, that is what it is. And uh yeah, man, just the entire soundtrack from start to finish is is very, very rocking and it's very synthwave heavy. It's epic. This is a this is fantastic. I'm so happy Nintendo put this on the Switch because uh, I was telling I was like, I never heard of this game. Uh, and then we said it was arcade only and Japan only. I was like, that's not fair. I was like, that, <laughs> I was going to put it for like a change.org petition. To have this game. <laughs> it looks like it looks like it was. Uh, it, it, the name of the game on the Switch is Johnny Turbo's Arcade Night Slashers. And there are other Johnny Turbo games I'm looking right here. Like we have uh, Johnny Turbo's Arcade Breakthrough. Uh, Johnny Turbo must be this studio or, or something that is releasing these arcade games on, on the Switch. Because it says here is published by FTE Games. And this actually released November 8th, 2018. So we're not that far off, man. Like, it just came out a couple months ago. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and because it is digital only, I mean, I can see why it did fly under the radar for us. Because we don't talk about, when we do the Max Level podcast, we talk about, like, the new releases and that kind of stuff. We tend not to go into, like, every digital game. Because then the entire podcast for two hours each week would just be us talking yeah. about, like, these indie titles <laughs> that are getting released and that kind of stuff. And it wouldn't be fun. But... My God, man, I, I think I'm going to pick this up as well. I have some credit on the switch and I think I can spare eight dollars to play this because it looks freaking awesome from the screenshots that we're seeing. And just knowing that this soundtrack is there. I'm in, dude. I would say worst case scenario, we play the game, we pause it, we listen to each track as we go through. So it's worth the eight bucks. <laughs> I'd spend the eight bucks for the soundtrack alone. So that's all that matters. All right. Let's get something here. Let's get something fun. Um. How about a nice Super Nintendo game? Okay. From Congo's Caper, this is Evolution Revolution.
And that was Evolution Revolution from Congo's Caper. Uh, came out May of 93. Composed by Emi Shimizu, CG Momoi, and CG Yamanaka. Yeah. So uh, the plot of this game uh, is a half-human, half-monkey boy named Congo sets on a quest to rescue his girlfriend after she's abducted by a demon. Super original. <laughs> I love that you picked this one, though, because and this is not the only one. This this is not the only track this happened on. But you and I crossed over on identical games and identical tracks twice. This one and another one that you have coming up. I messages like there's no way we don't cross over because I, I we, we, we're trying to get the best of the best. Yeah. And we were trying to, like, do 16 different games as well. Yeah. Uh, so this game was actually reviewed by Nintendo Power, who is totally unbiased when they review things. Uh, so Nintendo Power praised the game's graphics, controls, password feature, and variety of levels, but wrote, the game doesn't really do anything that Super Mario World and countless other games have done just as well. <laughs> Fair and balanced. Yeah, yeah, no, they definitely, uh, Nintendo Power, they definitely, you know, they skewed reviews heavily toward Nintendo games. <laughs> uh, no, I've I have played this game. Okay. I, if I had to give it a, like, a, like a rating, like to one in five, this is definitely like a little above a three. Um, not the best game, not the worst game. Definitely colorful. Definitely like your standard fare. But it's not it's not horrible. It's not Chuck Rock. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I looked into this game when we were picking the music uh, for the episode, and I, I watched some like let's plays on YouTube and stuff, and it, it seems just average at best. Is how I like to say things like you know for games that are like middle of the road, like your six out of tens or your seven out of tens, or like you said your three out of fives. Um, I just I, I have no interest in checking out. I have no interest in hunting down a copy to play it. But the music is it's fun. It's upbeat. It's it's cheerful, and that's I think what it's meant to elicit. And it's just like every other game that's based on a Chinese story, half human, half monkey boy. Oh, is that actually based on like a, one of those Chinese tales or something? Yeah, just like just like Dragon Ball and, and Goku. Same deal. OK, uh, but, but I love it. They're all great games. Mostly. Mostly. Sometimes. Not always. But all right. Well, I'm going to kick to a game that has composers I didn't think we'd be talking about today. And that makes me really, really, really excited. Ooh. Plus, it's an Amiga game, and we know the Amiga produces some great music. Yes, they do. From a game called Sly Spy Secret Agent. This is two number one.
And that was tune number one from Sly Spy Secret Agent, which again released on the Amiga in 1989, composed by Tim and Jeff Fallen. Wow. Yep. Got him on the episode. Excited about that. Uh, I I wanted to find and I made this joke to you earlier, but I wanted to get like a a non-traditional type of composer and, you know, something that wasn't strictly just Data East composers. And I said that I wanted to get Kung Fu Master in here or just released here in North America as Kung Fu on the NES. But Kung Fu Master is how how it was known as in the arcades. And uh, Data East actually published that for Nintendo in arcades. So I was going to try to sneak that in and have Koji Kondo on the episode. But there's one track in that game. And we've played it. He's such a genius. He is a genius. He really, really is. I tried to get Mike Moraski into the episode, but there's just no there's no crossover, unfortunately. Yeah, there's literally no way that was going to happen. But I was able to find, and this really looking through all of the games that Data East has published and all of the games that they've developed, there were two that qualified for this Kung Fu Master and Sly Spy Secret Agent. They're the only two that actually feature different composers besides just the Data East crew. You're crazy. But this is great. This is awesome. This is a great piece of music. Uh, we love the Amiga here at BG Mania and Level Down Games, and we, you know, they have a great sound chip. They have great music in general. I think actually uh, I think we're planning on doing a part two for Amiga music later this year because of how much fun we had doing that episode last year. We're going to do another one this year because it was so much fun to do. And yeah, man, this is great. This is so good. You know, Tim Fallen and Jeff Fallen, we know that they are fantastic composers. They, they put out great things every time that they're around. And it's just fun to hear the difference and the different type of compositional work that they do compared to just Gamadelic. So it's cool. I don't know. I, I like that track. That's a good track. You're not going to get any resistance from me. Ah, see, what see what you did there. See what you did there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. From the game Midnight Resistance, <laughs> this track is called Cow, Cow, Cow.
was Cow 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 from Midnight Resistance. Uh, it came out in 1990 on the Commodore 64 and Amiga, and 91 on the Genesis, which is the version you just heard there. Uh, composed by Azusa Hara, Hiroki Yoshida, Tatsuya Kuichi, Yotomi Komasu, and Fuse. I couldn't figure out who was in Fuse. Maybe it's a code name. I shall not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't come across that at all when I was looking up Data East stuff. So that that's unique to that track. Uh, I love. This is another one where I love the synopsis for this game. Okay. Uh, so, you play as the main character, Johnny Ford, who's a member of an operative group who shuts down drug cartels in South America. After completing his last mission, Johnny returned home to find it in shambles, and he sees a note in which King Crimson kidnapped his entire family. Why the band is doing that, I don't know. The reason for the abduction is Johnny's father, Malcolm Ford, was developing a serum which would help break every one of their addictions to narcotics. Since the government is unable to help Johnny, he sets off on his own to rescue his family and destroy King Crimson's empire of evil for good. <laughs> again, again, just about every 80s movie I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very cliche type stuff. This is, this is the kind of game that I can imagine seeing the Say No to Drugs, Ronald Reagan ad plastered on the front that we had in the 80s and 90s. Or uh, or Captain Lou Albano. Because if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I just, I love this song. I, 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 while the Amiga version is good on this one, I feel the Genesis version was a little better because it had a little more of oof to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this game sounds super fun. I have not played this one, okay. uh, but I want to. Yeah, I have not, uh, I have not played this one either, So it looks, but it looks good. The fact that we get to fight King Crimson, you know, uh, the popular British group, you know, it, it, seems, it seems like a good idea to me. <laughs> I mentioned it to you while we listened to it, man, but I was really, really, really into that track. I was digging it hard. Like, that was a very good piece of music. Maybe, maybe number three or four for me on the episode today. In terms mm-hmm. of like, in terms of ranking, I, I don't think anything is going to beat Night Slashers. Uh, Night Slashers now holds a special place in yeah, my heart. Not, <laughs> <laughs> nothing has beaten that, and I, I do still think Vapor Trail is probably second for me. Uh, Alan Sir Juniors is number three. Maybe this might be number four. Maybe uh, if I'm ranking mm-hmm. them, I don't know. We'll see. That might be the official ranking for me right now, though. But I'm not sure. Uh, all right. Well, I. I'm going to go to another game. This is actually a sequel, more or less, to Bad Dudes. So from Two Crude Dudes, this is the intro. the intro from Two Crew Dudes, which released on the Sega Genesis May 11th, 1991. 
Three composers, Azusahara, Hiroyaki Yoshida, and Tatsuya Kiyuchi. Like I said, this is the, more or less, it's the sequel to Bad Dudes. It looks terrible. The game looks bad, dude. I mean, you die bad dudes. The game doesn't look good. It's a, just a thrown together bunch of colors and pixels and it just doesn't look bad fun to play. Bad dudes. Yeah. Bad dudes, more like bad game. Yeah, it doesn't look fun to play. But the soundtrack, I listened to the entire soundtrack for Two Crew Dudes. The soundtrack is very underrated because it is amazing. This soundtrack is amazing. And, and really, the intro is my favorite track, which is why I picked that one. But, you know, you at the beginning there, you kind of get like some Legend of Zelda dungeon vibes. Yeah. It's just what it reminded me of. But then you get this like freaking awesome 80s type stuff that, you know, we've heard. We've heard a lot of it on the episode today. We've heard a lot of it. But this one does it really well. And yes, the game might be bad. I don't know. Maybe the game is a hidden gem on the Genesis. I'm not sure. Probably not. But doesn't seem like it. <laughs> the music is definitely a hidden gem. I will concede that. Yeah, the music is fantastic in this. Like I said, just the the synthwave stuff that we've been hearing. Just it just it's great, man. It's a great piece of music, and it just really, as we say time and time again, just because it's a bad game doesn't mean it can't have good music. And there's so many different examples and so many, you know, there's a plethora of examples out there of that. And this is just one of them. I think we do that all the time. We always try to like show that, hey, there can be great music where there's just absolute nonsense of a game. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a game that I would if I saw it in a in a retro store, I would never look at this twice. I wouldn't care to pick this up. But when I hear that soundtrack, I was like, dude, maybe the game is worth, you know, struggling through. If it is a struggle, I don't know. Maybe the game is worth sitting through and playing just to hear the music. Maybe that's maybe that's the case. Maybe it's like Night Stalkers where we just want to play the game because of the music. Well, we want to stay the East. No. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm on my final pick here. And yeah. this, is actually a, this is actually a track that me and Brian both agreed on. So yep. I actually, have, uh, thankfully, I got to keep it. So haha. Another, another strong pick. This is a good one. This is from a game called Dash and Desperados, and this is the Staff Roll.
that was the staff roll from Dashin Desperados. Uh, came out in July of 93, composed by Masaki Iwasaki, Kiryoso Fujimaru, and Manubu Yokoi. Uh, totally 10,000% a game you couldn't make nowadays. Uh, not a bad game, nothing explicit about it, but uh, you play as one of two cowboys, Will or Rick, uh, and you have to race another cowboy through like, an obstacle-filled like platforming level, and you're trying to get the girl of your dreams. Her name is Jenny. And why couldn't uh, you do Joel, that nowadays? Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, so the first one to get her wins her love. Uh, and then every few levels, you kidnap her. Then another person kidnaps her. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that's another way to win love is just to take the girl and run away with her. Uh, Hog tire and put her on the back of a horse. Pretty much. That's the, that's that's the whole theme of this game. Uh, yeah. In fact, when you play when you play a two player game, you're literally just racing the other guy to to, to get to Jenny. So, uh, yeah, you can't make that kind of game nowadays. Jenny. Uh, apparently, uh, women don't like it when you take them against their will uh, and tie them up. Well, some do, but that is neither here nor there. That's Family called, podcast. That's called BDSM, Frank. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that deep with it. But <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely see what you mean, though, and that this game isn't something with with like modern societal issues and modern culture, how this game wouldn't fly nowadays. Because the game, it was an innocent game, of course. Of course, nothing, of course. Yeah. It, most things generally are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was it was just innocent. You know, it, it helped move the plot along. You know, you steal our name to save her again. Otherwise, the game is over after level one. <laughs> Otherwise, the game isn't even worth being a game. Yeah, exactly. No, I get uh, it's, that. It's, it's just a race to the end. That's not fun. But you mentioned that you and I had both picked this track. And, and, and while well, that is true, yeah. But Dash and Desperados, man, the entire soundtrack, which I listened to, it has a lot of fun music on it. It seems like a fun game, too. I may have to try to pick this one up. I know it's on the Sega Genesis. Yeah, on the Genesis. Yeah, I've never actually played this one myself either, but it, it definitely seems interesting but yeah the soundtrack from start to finish it's really it's upbeat it's uplifting it's fun and it's a, it's a very colorful game as well too and those things always, always appeal to me like just nice bright colorful yeah fun I, I, saw, I, I saw that i looked at some of the screenshots I, I was looking at that too like the art palette definitely it jumps out at you although being a data use game i am still leery <laughs> uh great piece of music though man the staff roll i love when actually uh staff you know, like staff rolls or credits music is, is really good uh, and this is just one of those examples. That's pretty freaking cool. I like that a lot. Um, we're going to take a listen to close out the episode. My last pick for this episode where we listen to everything on Data East. Everything we listened to today was developed and published by Data East. The The name of the game is Werewolf the Last Warrior. And the name of the track is Stage Theme Werewolf. This actually released on the Nintendo Entertainment System November 16th, 1990, and was composed by Shogo Sakai, Takafumi Miura, and Yusuke Takahama. So we see several names that we've talked about, you know, extensively here on the episode this week. And you you and I both said it, man, but this really does feel like it would fit perfectly in like a Castlevania game or more realistically, a Mega Man game definitely has some of the Mega Man beat to it. You'll hear a backbeat on this song that sounds a lot like the power-up theme. Yes, 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 yes. You'll, you'll, you'll hear elements of like being teleported by Mega Man. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. But then the actual main drive does sound very Castlevania. So it's, it's a I like this track a lot. Yeah, and this is a game that I've never played, uh, really not even familiar with it that much. 
but I but I did look into a little bit before this episode and uh, it's a platformer, dude. It's a platform game. So I'm sure you and I would have absolutely loved this game. I have heard of this title. I've never seen a, a screenshot of it or anything else. I'm, I'm oblivious. I, all I know is I know this game exists. OK, yeah. I mean, looking at screenshots of it right now, like I said, the game looks like something uh, we would have greatly enjoyed back in the day and probably still would now. I mean, it does look fun. Uh, it, it looks like your traditional side scrolling platform game and very, you know, the pixels that they're using, very colorful, very different. Uh, the game looks really cool, man. It definitely would have been something I would have enjoyed. And just the entire soundtrack, again, this is another game by Data East where the entire soundtrack was was well done. And that's awesome. That's really freaking cool. Even though, yeah, it sounds like Castlevania, it sounds like Mega Man, but it's Werewolf, dude. It's Werewolf the Last Mission. And it's great. It's awesome. I like it a lot. That's, that's awesome, man. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Get to the closer, don't you? Yeah, we got to do the closer. But <laughs> we're also going to have a little bit of a special outro after we listen to the music from Werewolf no, not, the Last no, Warrior. No. Yeah, we're going to have a little special outro because no, we needed that, to get you know. we needed to get tag team wrestling into the episode. And like we I said, the already. there's all there's exactly there's only one track in the episode or I'm sorry, there's only one track in the uh, in the game that we've played it uh, back during our wrestling episode, which was episode number three. Believe it or not, that was episode number three of BG Mania. Uh, horrible quality on that episode, but it was a fun episode to do. But we're going to play a little jingle from Tag Team Wrestling to close out the uh, the episode. We're going to play the win match n noise. That's it. Nine seconds. Just a nine okay. second jingle. I mean, I think you can live through a nine second jingle. Worst nine seconds of your life. <laughs> it ain't that bad, dude. It ain't that bad. But unfortunately, that is going to bring us to the close of our episode where we took a look at music that was in games developed and published by Data East. Unless you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here. Data East, I hate your stinking guts, but you got some good music, and I'm actually looking forward to playing Night Slashers a little later on today. Ooh, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm going to pick it up this week, too, and maybe we'll uh, be able to both talk about it uh, next week on the Max Level Podcast. Tune into that and make sure you subscribe to it if you do not do so already. But that is going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Uh, I do want to plug our bonus episode we just put up this past Sunday on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. We did a sponsored episode for the first time ever at uh, BG Mania and Level Down Games history. We took a look at the limited edition vinyl album for a game known as Deathmark, which came out last year on Halloween for Nintendo Switch, PS4 and PlayStation Vita. Uh, the episode was sponsored by Axis Games. They were nice enough to send us a copy of the vinyl to do the episode for. The only time we've ever actually connected a turntable to the PC, listen to the vinyl at the same time, you hear the pops, you hear the authentic vinyl sounds. It was a very, very special and fun episode to do. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back there, check it out. It should have hit your RSS feed, any of your podcast app, podcast catcher apps should have picked up on it. Uh, great episode. Go check that out. Frank, we had fun not doing that one. That was good. That was an absolute blast. Yeah, go check that one out. Don't forget to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to bgmania at leveldowngames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to our YouTube channel, that's youtube.com forward slash level down games and subscribe to our channel there. And if you haven't already, while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv slash level down games and click that follow button. We're not live often. Sometimes we are. 
Generally, when we do our reaction videos, we're live on YouTube. But if you want to follow someone on Twitch that is live often, three times a week, maybe more in the future, twitch.tv slash Bruce underscore deduce. Links can be found in the description box below, just like they can for our social media accounts. If you want to stalk us there, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Again, check the description box for the appropriate links next week. Dude, we're already at the end of the month. We're already at the end of March. It's time for another edition of Radio Hour. We'll be doing volume 21, five picks from me, five picks from Frank, one from Jessica, one from the listener audience. It's going to be a great episode. Knowing what I have, it's going to be awesome, dude. Next week's going to be a spun. Uh, a spun. Uh, next week is going to be a fun episode. It's going to be spun as well. It's going to be spun. Taking us out of this episode once again, we have Werewolf, The Last Warrior, the name of the track is Stage Theme Werewolf, composed by Shogo Sakai, Takafumi Miura, and Yusuke Takahama. Don't forget that tag team wrestling jingle at the end. Keep the music playing and keep it loud. Mm-hmm.